Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 54 of Thrive Deeper. DJ Payne here with you and uh, excited to bring you this episode where Matthew Jacoby and myself look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. This is a real turning point in the uh, Matthew narrative of Jesus's public ministry. This is where we get introduced to the parable and the power of the parable and even why Jesus is speaking in parables. Now, as we start today's episode, it's not going to make a lot of sense unless you listen to last week's episode, episode 53, where we talked about Matthew Jacoby's love of music. And uh, just before pressing record, Matthew listened to the introduction of 53. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, this one's not going to make a lot of you know sense at the beginning. But for those who do, you'll love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back at the end of the episode to let you know how you can support us and share what we're doing online. I'll talk to you then. So 54. Okay. I'd uh, like to apologize to our listeners um, at the start of this episode for DJ's little medley, uh, Midnight Old Melody, medley. Um, <laughs> You're going to go, so you're leading straight into that. This is, yeah, I'm leading straight into that. Well, you, I, thought I love not, Midnight Oil, but yeah. uh, you really launched it on our listeners, didn't you? It's well, I, I, for better I, or worse. I love people getting to know you behind the scenes, what makes Matt Jacoby tick a little bit. And I think people would, <laughs> were genuinely yeah. surprised that you're such a Midnight Oil fan. Mm. But now that people have got that missing jigsaw puzzle piece to you, yeah. makes, it makes mm. a bit more sense. All right, moving right along. <laughs> So no more Midnight Oil medleys in the background? <laughs> That's right. No more Midnight Oil medleys. <laughs> uh, too funny. All right. Well, let's let's get stuck into it because we've got a lot to cover mm. on this week's episode. Uh, we are looking at uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we have been uh, flying through the Gospel of Matthew over the last few weeks. And uh, as, as Jesus launches his public ministry... Uh, we've been looking at all of his, um, you know, different relationships, and as he, as his message and his ministry changes, and and Matthew's covering it in such a way where it's it's a very Jewish centric gospel, sort of a great way to come out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, and Matthew Matthew thirteen, the chapter of Matthew thirteen is is a bit of a turning point, yeah, or, a turning point yeah. or, or even or even I think the turning point has happened and this mm. is Jesus sort of showing you what the turning point's all about. Yeah, that's right. So you get um, the uh, the couple of chapters where he performs all of those miracles, chapters 8 and 9. Then there is this conflict that comes to the surface through all of that, the refusal of these people to accept Jesus on Jesus' terms. Yes. And... And their refusal to, and as Jesus puts it, their refusal to repent, because of course they don't think there's anything to repent from. They just want Jesus to support them in what they think needs to happen, mm-hmm. um, which is political revolution and a political kingdom. And well, Jesus isn't about that. He is not dealing with their external circumstances. He wants to deal with their internal issues. Yeah. But you know, that's who wants to face that. Let's you know, <laughs> let's just 
uh, let's just say, who wants to face yeah. that? And 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 so they didn't. And so they're just not getting it really. Mm. And the and the reason is because they don't want to get get it. And mm. and so you get this conflict that's highlighted then in chapters ten to twelve, and. Uh, and that becomes Matthew's focus. So you see that in the structure, there's a in the structure of the way that Matthew puts this together, that there's this progressive message. And then when you get to chapter 13, Jesus just stops talking to everyone. Hmm. He's, he says, "Well, I'm only now going to talk to those who are willing." Well, how do you do that? Will you speak in parables? Yeah, uh, which which is a great this, and this is a great um, spot to to just pause for a moment and talk about the concept of the parable. Sure, yeah. You know, the concept of the parable, because a lot of times we have been told in the church in the in the light of the revelation that we have and the complete work of Scripture yeah. that we have, that the parable is this, you know, almost folksy way of, you know, illustrating a point with natural things around you and stories mm. and things like that, that the common person are going to understand. But in the context of Matthew and Jesus speaking at the time, that's not really what the parables are all about. No, not not really. It's that that is partially true in that they do illustrate things, and um, and it should be it should make it more graphic for people, but only if they're willing to understand. Now, the classic example of a parable. In, let's go to some background for the parables. Uh, parables were used uh, by the prophets, mm -hmm. it, it, and a classic example of a prophetic parable is the one that Nathan brought to David after David committed adultery with Bathsheba in Second Samuel chapter eleven, mm -hmm. and you know had her husband killed to cover yeah. this up so that he could marry her, and and Nathan comes to David. Nathan the prophet comes to David and said, says, because of course David's sitting on his throne and he's the final sort of judge yes. in that sense. And he says, well, there were, there were these two men, a rich man and a poor man, and the you know, rich man had large flocks and herds of sheep and cattle, and but this poor man had nothing except one ewe lamb that he loved and kept in his home and you mm. know, was like a daughter to him. And, and he tells about how the rich man goes and uh, kills, takes the um, lamb belonging yeah. to the poor man and, and kills it and serves it up to some visitors. And, and he, so he uses this parable to describe actually what David did, but the problem there is that David doesn't see himself in the parable because at that stage he's not really willing to own up to his his um, his sin and yeah. and David admits as much in Psalm 32 when he talks when he says blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven his sins are covered and in whose spirit there is no deceit yes and he talks about the period when he was silent and he, he kept it locked up within lying himself. Lying to himself. Yeah, that's right, lying to himself. And so yeah. in that position, because you think, how could David, because it says that when David heard this account of the rich man and the poor man, that he burned with anger against the man. You think, mm. how is it possible for him not to actually get what it's what the parable yeah. is about? It's because he, he wasn't willing actually to see that in yeah. himself. He didn't have, in the words of Jesus, he <clears throat> didn't have the ears to hear. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is... So Jesus is doing something similar here with the parables that the parables are going to reveal things to people who are willing to hear. Yeah. And but it's also going to shut out the people who aren't willing to hear. And he says here, you know, whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have even what he has yeah. will be taken away from him. It's a strange comment for Jesus to make, but the point is is that uh it's actually a really profound comment. And, yes. and I think often misunderstood. What 
Jesus is saying when he says, you know, to those who have more will be given, those who do not have even what they have will be taken away. He's, de- he's describing the polarizing effect that he wants to have on people. Yeah. So that if you are willing, I'm, we're going to work with that and make you more willing. Uh, but if you're not willing, I'm going to drive you against me. Yeah. So, so that it's black or white. There's no sitting on the fence. Oh, you know, this, we've already yeah. we've just started, and we're only talking about parables, yeah. but there is so much yeah. in here. Oh, totally, yeah. And so, um, so he he is, um, so he's going to he's going to tell these parables, uh, which is either going to compound their resistance because perhaps they're going to sense that he's talking about them more, and and it's just going to close their ears more. What is he talking about? You know, mm. uh, or. Um, uh, or they are actually going to illustrate and reveal things uh, to people. Now, the, it, as it happens, the disciples are even struggling with this. Uh, yeah, at this stage. And, and this is my point. This is the point that I sort of want. I was hoping to bring out at the beginning here, is it, it's it's fine for us, like you said, the the definition of a parable being a folksy, you know, story led, yeah. often you know, agriculturally driven yeah. story to explain a deeper yeah. truth. That's true. But Jesus is not using it like yeah. like Jesus has a different point, a yeah. point that we don't often want to attribute to this Jesus that we think of meek yeah. and mild and loving and wanting everybody to come to him and let the little children come to me. And we have this picture of this happy, jovial Jesus. Jesus is being obtuse and, yeah. and hard and like – I know, yeah. And really divisive. Yeah, and this is interesting. I've actually heard it said in a number of occasions that, oh, Jesus used parables so that people could understand his message. Whereas it says explicitly. (laughs) Exactly. uh, Jesus says, this is why I speak to to them in parables, so that they won't understand. Yes, (laughs) that's what I want to get out of here. Like Jesus is doing this for a reason, and it's not the reason that sometimes we're led to believe. Because the other point is, if you put yourself in the disciples' feet or the Jewish people's feet who are listening to him, like I said, we're living in this age of of, of revelation. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit to, to and bring the word to us and enlighten, we've got the complete word of God. We've got scholars for generations who've yeah. been telling yeah. us what it all means. We've sat in this teaching, take all that away. If you were hearing these teachings for the first time, yeah. you would be like, what is going on? Yeah. How is this relating to the kingdom of God? Yeah. And if this is the truth, it's yeah. too it's too hard. And and you're only going to really understand it if you're willing to really lean in yes. and dig. And and this is what you know, you've got this sort of passive crowd. It's just like hit us with all the good stuff, yeah. Jesus, and deliver us from the Romans and do all the things we want. Yeah. And uh, so we want to we want to show. We yeah, you yeah. know do, do do more of the circus That's right. acts. And for at us. this stage, he's got massive crowds yeah. following him. But actually, he doesn't want a popular following. That's not what's going to change anything. Mm. So he actually, he, he, interestingly, he wants to actually turn the crowds away. Wow. And, and so he starts speaking in parables. As part of that. As, as part, part of that yeah. ploy. So I'm, oh, oh, I'm too popular. Yeah. You know, I better talk in a way that is not as popular. So, yeah. so he starts, but, and again, it's not. It's important to point out that he's not doing it just to be contrary for a contrarian yeah, yeah, that's sake. Right. He's not trying to be cool or a hipster or anything like that. He's doing it because he knows where people's hearts at, and they're not getting the message. Yeah, be- because they're they're following him, thinking he's this kind of messiah, and he's saying, "I want them to stop following me as this kind of messiah." So I need to, uh, like, otherwise he's just going to lead them further. He's just going to lead them astray. Exactly. And of course, I mean, of course, he's not going to do that. So. Yeah. Um, 
So this this speaking in parables is a response to the crowds. It says, in fact, at the beginning of chapter 13, that same day Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. So they're just these great crowds in response to all of these miracles. Mm. And... Uh, and this is a problem, and and the parable that follows this is, that in, is the parable of the sower, where he talks about the oh. seed sown on different kinds of ground, and that is, and he's actually talking to his disciples, yeah, about the crowds that are there, yeah, in front of the crowds, in front of the crowds, yeah, you yeah. can imagine this, uh, um, you know, they're, they're, I'm going to sow the seed, but look, most of the seed, according to the mathematics of the parable, three quarters mm. of the mm. seed, mm. is is just on rocky ground. Uh, weedy ground, you know, hard ground, and that's what's for m- most people. That's what the case is in, mm. in uh, for most of these people. So, um, so it's it's an interesting, slightly counterintuitive twist here. The the parable thing. Yeah, he he does he does want to reveal himself, mm. but he only wants to reveal himself to people that are willing to receive it. Uh, this is a really Profound point, because <clears throat> big time. Um, you know, God doesn't just want to show Himself to. But, I mean, and a lot of like skeptics are like this. Well, if God's real, why doesn't He just show Himself yeah. to me? Yeah, it's exactly actually what has happened in the chapters before. Yes, uh, the Pharisees said, "Show us a sign. Come yeah. on, prove it. Show, show us, show us God." Yeah, and Jesus says, "No, I'm not going to." Uh, you've seen enough yeah, signs. You've seen. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and uh, and so he he. he Actually, becomes he conceals himself from them in in a sense, because they're just not willing to accept the sort of Messiah that he is, Mm. and um, and so this this is the 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 hard the path and the the stony ground and the cares of the world the weeds and it's that's all choking the seed you see because their cares uh, the cares of the world in their case that Jesus um, uses the weeds to illustrate. Yeah. Uh, of the Roman occupation, all these external things, you know, that are going to rob, rob the seed of truth. So, um, but in in the midst of this, he actually addresses very powerfully because the the problem, the specific problem here, is with the kind of Messiah that they wanted him to be and what they wanted Jesus to do. Yes, they wanted him to be the political Messiah to um, to bring the kingdom in a, in a forceful way in a sudden, forceful way, mm. in, to impose the kingdom, suddenly mm. and forcefully. Now, what follows, you see, because they, they saw themselves, we're going ju- to be God's instruments to judge all those sinners yes. out there in the world. Yes. That was the way uh, that, that the people are thinking in the first century. And uh, a lot of these parables are actually designed to correct that very misconception. So... Um, first of all, you know the parable of the sower. I think just illustrates the situation that they're so consumed that it's the seed of truth is falling on hard ground, rocky mm. ground, weedy ground, and that's them uh, because they've they've got all sorts of other agendas that they're not willing to forfeit. Um, and then he talks, and then the parable of the weeds is an interesting one for this. This, this is this parable is interesting in it for a number of reasons. The parable of the weeds pictures these two kingdoms, you know, the, the seed that gets seeds of the kingdom that get sown, but also the evil one sows seeds. Yes. And that's the weeds. And the weeds and the wheat, the wheat is the kingdom of God. 
and the, the two crops grow up together. And at one point, um, it says in uh, 13, chapter 13, 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds, weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Okay. Mm. Now, the point here is that he wants to counter this idea that the Jewish people are the judges of the nation. Mm -hmm. We're going to go pull up all the weeds. That's our job. No, no. Yeah. It's God's job. It's not your job to, to decide who's a weed and who's wheat. So, um, so this is actually speaking against this agenda um, of that the Jews felt. Um, <clears throat> that they needed to rise up against the yeah. nations and impose the kingdom and be the instruments of God's judgment. It's 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 uh, you know so we've got a series of um, so just zooming back again here um, we've got a series of of parables in thirteen and this is what we'll be discussing on the uh, on the on the podcast today and uh, but before we go to the break I want to I want to hone in a little bit. On the first one, the first one takes up the most space in this chapter, and it's like a, it's like a, a you know, hits of, of Jesus' parables is all yeah, in chapter yeah. thirteen. There's some great ones that we've all heard yeah. of, and this first one here, um, you know, with the sower and the seed. Yeah, I, I've I've heard this preached um, in a m multitude of different ways growing up in the church. Mm. One way that I, I was told, that. yeah, one <laughs> way that I was told. A lot of times, and I'm wondering if anybody who's listening has heard the same thing, one way that this has been interpreted for us in the church these days is different types of Christians. You know, these these four seeds are like, you know, different types of, you know, the first seed is obviously those who reject the word, but then you've got, you know, the Christian who has different concerns and, and then the Christian who has, you know, different weeds and seems like they fall away. And I think this is all trying to build up or prop up um you know, the, you know something that does need propping up, and that is the the the, the uh, theology of, of of once saved, always mm. saved. And I know people might have mm. different views on that, but I've I, I've seen this parable sort of misused, I believe, mm. and I'd love you to comment on it, trying to justify different types of worldly Christians, where I think, quite obviously, Jesus is saying. No, no, the vast majority of people who hear what I have to say, even those that you think are a Christian, are actually haven't had their hearts changed mm. about what mm. I'm talking about. Yeah, that that I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm sitting here frowning at, I'm sitting here frowning at you because I, and I'm reading the text again to think, how the heck did you, yeah. did, did we get that? Um, I mean, maybe that comes from the fact that he's speaking to, uh, the Jewish people who were the covenant people, but I mean that, even that, you know that that was quite a nominal thing. At, and, at and, this I, stage. and I and I think the preachers that I'm talking about and the teaching that I've seen from this, it's it's done in a good spirit of trying to challenge those who have got weeds in their life to come and have your heart broken yeah, and yeah, be, yeah, and be right. good. Of course, yeah. a, a challenge for that, but. I, I think that's forcing something else into the parable yeah. that's not really there. Well, this is actually defining what a real Christian is, actually. Thank you. Uh, it's the ones with good heart. Uh, the, the, well, it's when I say good heart, it's not that you've got your whole life together. It's, no. it's the willing heart yeah. um, that receives the word. And remember, because the word is a is a invitation to repent and come into God's kingdom. Yeah. So it's the, the problem with the multitudes is they didn't think that they needed to. Yeah. They didn't think they had anything to repent of. So, um, so uh, Jesus recognizes that 
really the only people who are, who are going to come into his kingdom mm. and follow him are the people with the good hearts. And I, I, I imagine I imagine Jesus the man, our saviour the man, standing there looking out to the crowd and and speaking this, this truth. Yeah. And I imagine him looking at the people as he's saying these different types of seeds yeah. and seeing examples of that right in front of him. Yeah. Of the people who are, you know, clamoring after him and, and and what he's doing. And the fact that, you know, he spends a long time explaining why he's doing parables, what this parable means, and the disciples going, we don't get it. Like, you know, really help yeah. us here. And because, he brings in Isaiah and brings in the prophets yeah. and stuff like that. Because he's 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 messing with their whole paradigm. Like yeah. the 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 one the problem, the reason why the disciples um, themselves don't get this is because they're still stuck on this uh, imposing sudden political revolution paradigm. They just can't let go of that. You know, right up towards the end of the gospel, they're still thinking of Jesus in terms of ushering a sudden political revolution uh, because they want him to deal with their, as I said, with their external circumstances. Mm. Whereas he wants to deal with their hearts. He wants to, um, he wants to connect with good soil. And when I said good hearts before, I mean I should have said good soil because yeah, actually, yeah. it's it, our hearts really aren't in a good state. Yes. Uh, but the, the the it's the willing heart, the heart that is willing to admit that and come to Christ. And this is actually what he wants. And, and they 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 just there's a whole paradigm here that they need to get out of that causes them to not connect. What is he talking about? You know, mm. it's like um, that they because. It doesn't fit what he's saying. Doesn't fit in their paradigm, and sometimes we actually have to allow the whole way that we think to be completely upturned, mm. it, because um, and and this is illustrated so well here because this is just a mystery even to the disciples at this stage, and it's actually understandable because mm. it's very clear that Jesus is working in a different paradigm to them right up towards the end. Uh, of the gospel, I mean, they do, they don't even really get it, it, really until we get to the book of Acts. Yeah. That, that's when they really start to get get it. Okay, now we see what he was on about. Mm. Um, and Matthew's very honest about that. Remember, Matthew is one of these disciples, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's actually very honest uh, like we, we about no their, idea. their inability to get this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break. We've covered this. Uh, you know, the first uh, you know half of chapter thirteen here with the parable of the sower and the seeds. We've got a bunch of parables to get through and the rest of this chapter. We'll take a break. We'll be back with episode 54 of Thrive Deeper.
episode 54 of Thrive Deeper. It's DJ Payne here. I've got Matthew Jacoby with me, and we are talking about the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. This is a real turning point in the way that Jesus is teaching. And Matthew, we've just looked at uh, you know that first parable of the sower and the seeds, and he t- and it's sort of like. S- Matthew 13, with this with this parable and his explanation why and his quoting of Isaiah, Jesus is sort of setting a whole new way of teaching mm. and trying to get his disciples on board to understand what he's doing. Mm. And then we've get then we have yeah. a whole string of parables. Yeah, and and significantly, all these parables begin with the words, "The kingdom of heaven is like." Yeah. Other um, gospel, you know, Luke will say the kingdom of God is like or, or Mark. Um, Matthew writing to a Jewish audience, they have scruples about even using the word God. Yeah, uh, It's interesting in the intertestamental literature to see um, how they refer very indirectly to God. Actually, this is an interesting... Um, sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole no, here. Good, this let's is an go. interesting feature of even Esther. A lot of people, the book of Esther, recognize that, well, God isn't mentioned in the book of Esther. But already by that stage, that there are these scruples around even mentioning God directly. Yeah. It's they don't want to use the Lord's name in vain. And they will even, even the scribes who are writing it down yeah. will, will mm-hmm. use different letters yeah, yeah, and different right. things. So, so they it can't not... be said. Yeah. So in, a lot, in, in intertestamental literature, you see that you know, help will come from heaven. They speak about heaven. It's a way of indirectly mm. referring to God. It's just interesting uh, as uh, a footnote to, that Matthew actually He's speaking to these people. Yes. doesn't want to unduly It's a very Jewish gospel. It's a very Jewish gospel. So he talks about, he's talking about the kingdom of God, yeah. but he t- he refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. So after the parable of the sower and the seeds and the four types of soil and his explanation, we then get the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, the yeast. Yeah. Uh, he Then he explains the wheat and the weeds. Uh, we get the hidden treasure and the pearl, the fishing net, and then you know the yeah. wrap up of chapter thirteen. So it's like a it's like a, a hits. You know oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. releasing his hit singles yeah, here. They're all gathered into and 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 they are they're, they're parables of the kingdom they're, because there are plenty of other parables. But these are all parables that explain yes. something about the kingdom of God. So in, in in thinking about it, sorry to interrupt, Matt. In thinking about it, when Matthew is putting the gospel together by the inspiration of mm. of, of the of the Spirit Himself. It's not like he's writing down a chronological, okay, and then Jesus said this, and then Jesus said that all on the same day. Mm. He might be pulling different instances yeah. back and forth <laughs> of, of things that have a particular theme to put into this chapter. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's quite possible. And it may be that Jesus did cluster all of these okay. parables. It may well be that. But uh, but we certainly see that Matthew, because the, the you know Matthew does order events slightly differently to Mark and yes. or Luke and... Uh, so we know that they order things theologically. But as I said, th- there there is this connection with there are all of these parables of the kingdom. This is in response to what clearly to a misunderstanding about the kingdom of God, yeah. about the people's expectations, that it's going to be this imposing sudden um, kingdom that, that comes in a military political way. So I should also say as a footnote that sometimes when Jesus does this teaching on the kingdom of heaven, People think he's talking about going to heaven. He's actually not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about God breaking into earth. Okay. You know, that's what he's dealing with. Yep. He's talking about what God is doing here on earth when he talks about uh, the kingdom of God. Though, though there are some points that, you know, do sort of, not not talking <clears throat> about going to heaven, but they have a end time type of vibe to they them. They do, like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, well, it's, so it's, yes, it connects. It, 
includes going to heaven. Yes, okay. Because you know, entering the kingdom of God now is a step into eternity. Yes, yes. But it's not like, and this is, I think, a really good point. You don't enter the kingdom of heaven when you die. You enter the kingdom of heaven now. Like yeah. you get to enter now. Yeah. And and if you enter now, you you it's for it's a forever thing. Yeah. And that's the point that yeah. Jesus is calling us to enter the kingdom of heaven now. Yes. Yes. So, um, so he he tells these parables that, and I'm I've made some comments on the parable of the weeds, uh, which is to the effect of don't think that you're the judges of the world to be going out pulling up weeds. And that is so applicable to us in the year 2019 when yeah. we're recording this because we get, I'm talking personally, I'm being very mm. personal here, we often get sucked in, um, as, especially if you have a role in in speaking or commentating on anything or being seen or looked at as some sort of teacher. Mm. Sometimes we are so tempted, we're so tempted to be the person who's separating the weeds. Yeah. You know, we we are so tempted politically, ethically, judgment-wise, you know, uh, justice, in the name of justice, your job is to call. And it's like, I I don't know, this spoke to me and to say, man, I need to chill sometimes. Yeah, it it speaks to, I think it speaks powerfully to what our job is and what our job isn't. Jesus is clearly saying here, your job is to sow the seed and the power of the kingdom is in the seed. Uh, is the seed of the message of the gospel, yeah. right? So that's an that's an invitation, and uh, and we're to go out and and take that to the world. What we're not meant to do is to be the judge of the world. Mm. So this idea that we've got to be this prophetic voice to the world to tell it how bad it is. Now, look, um, uh, you know, the fact is, people need to understand that they need the good news. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't. What I'm talking about is is a very politicized form of Christianity yeah. that is all about let's just get uh, let's well it's the same problem here let's just impose Christian values on our yeah. society in a sudden way through legislation by legislation by it's force exactly right the same temptation and Jesus is saying that's never going to work and in fact history has shown that whenever the church has succeeded in doing that actually the work of the gospel has gone backwards I mean mm. European countries where that became Christian nations where Christian laws were put up and people were basically you know to become a citizen you had to be baptized in the church <laughs> and like they are now the most Backward nations Secular in terms nation. of their work of the gospel, because if everybody's a Christian, then nobody's a Christian. Yeah, that's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's anymore. right. Well, it's there's the classic quote from Kierkegaard, who was one of the one key person that spoke against this as a problem. Yes, uh, and he says, you know, it's very difficult to become a Christian when you already are one. Yeah, and so so uh, because, because you think, well, I'm 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 Danish, so I, I you know I, I'm and and. You you became Danish by being baptized in the Danish church, and and so it was a Christian nation. And and I think some people think, oh, those were the days when yes. we were a Christian nation. But um, actually, statistics are showing that um, active engagement with um, with the Christian message and with church is actually grown with the decline of nominalism. Wow. With the decline of people just saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, tick the Christian box. Which is illustrating exactly what it, Jesus is talking right. about in the weed in the weeds. It, it doesn't help just to impose it from on top. I mean, a more polarised society is a society that is going to be much more, it's a much more conducive field in which to plant the seeds of the gospel. Polarisation. Mm. Mm. Uh, so um, so the, it's, 
this politicized this idea of we need to go out and and pull up all the weeds um uh of sin in our society this is just not this is not our we need to go plant the the seed mm-hmm. now another i think another thing worth saying here in saying that it's not our job to be instruments of judgment we're not to judge people some people can go the wrong direction with this too in that um some people go the direction of saying see judgment let me explain it this way you know judgment is is a posture thing it's a position that i take it's like i'm on my moral high horse pointing at you saying i'm right you're wrong yeah right now the the a lot of people swing the other way and say, okay, I don't want to judge, so I'll say that everyone's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, oh, so you're right. Oh, no, you're right. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's all everyone's judge right. Judge not lest yeah. you be judged. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, don't judge. That's right. Yeah. So we're all right. Mm-hmm. No, no. No, the opposite to the judgmental a- attitude, the attitude of grace, is actually not saying we're all right. It's saying we're all wrong. <laughs> that's, it's like we're all wrong, but God receives us despite oh, that. I love it. That's, That's the attitude of, of grace. It's me yeah. including myself in in this uh, in this humanity that has much deeper problems, by the way, than moral problems. Yeah. Uh, our, our moral issues are just the just icing the, on the cake. Yeah, icing on the cake. Yeah. It's actually we all have deeper spiritual issues. And, and we the, have this God complex that we all struggle to overcome, inability to trust God. We live independently, autonomously, and we all struggle with that. And um and we, you know, we need to operate from a position of being in the same boat as other people, yet having f- having found forgiveness and grace and growing mm. uh, through that. Mm. And this is um, this is the position of of, of non judgment. Yeah, I love I love mm. that. All right, let's so that let's let's jump to the anything you wanted to. Is there any other uh, notes in the parables? Because we've got a few here. Uh, that you wanted any other yeah, parables yeah. Well, jump out with you at the moment? Yes, there are. Just one other comment about: um, Aren't we going to spend like three hours yeah. in this? We could spend. <laughs> we could spend a podcast on yeah. every po- yeah. of every parable. Yeah, so, just an interesting. Before I leave the parable of the weeds, mm. I, I want to point out an interesting yeah. uh, feature um, here. This is especially for you um, uh, with your um, uh, millennial views. To- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to challenge that. All right. All right. I don't think it does. I think this fits in with anyone's um, millennial views, but and, and I'm not even sure what mine is yet. But th- this is an interesting um, aspect of this mm. parable. Uh, it says in Jesus' explanation of the parable, uh, it says the Son of Man in verse 41, Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Mm. Now, what, what Jesus is showing here. Uh, and, and my point about end times views is that, um, and, and I don't think this is a feature of any one specific millennial view or end times view, yeah. but we can develop a real pessimism. Oh, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And let's just bunker down and yeah. wait for Jesus to come back mm-hmm. and usher in the millennium or whatever, you know, yeah. when, when he's going to re- yeah. rule. Yeah. Well, no, actually Jesus, on any account, and I, and I don't think you'll disagree with this, Jesus actually is seated at the right hand of God the Father now. You yes. know, I mean, and and he is he is Lord. Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah. So, and he also said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the advance of his church. Yes. And what we see in these parables is not the failure of the kingdom, 
but the success of the kingdom. But the success of the kingdom has this polarization effect. I mean, because a lot of people think, well, the Bible teaches that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. Mm. And it, and so that's what develops is because we think about, you know, the coming of the beast and the man of you know, man of lawlessness. Yeah. And We've the, been, yeah, the church of Laodicea. All, all of this sort of yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can just develop this pessimism. Mm. Everything's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. No, actually what this teaches is that the kingdom is going to come in increasing measure. And because of that, it's going to have this polarization effect. Alongside, yeah. it's almost like, yeah, the, 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 uh, tell me if I've got, got it right here. The kingdom of heaven is growing at, at, you know, and getting you know stronger and stronger and more and more fulfilled alongside the weeds, alongside right. the badness that is growing and growing and growing. And even I would say that it's the actual coming of the kingdom that stirs up the badness. That stirs up the evil. Just like when Jesus, I mean, it's already there. Yeah. But just as when Jesus, wherever Jesus went, he just stirs up a hornet's nest mm. of evil. It all comes to the surface, you see. Mm. He brings mm. things to the surface. Mm. And there's this principle, the principle of polarization uh, is this idea. That it's like the brighter the light, the darker the shadows. Exactly. So. So the shadows are going to get really dark moving yeah. towards the end. It's going to be this See, polarization that's a, effect. That's a but hopeful that's because, way of looking at it. But that's because the light is going to shine brighter. Yeah. So I think I think it's really important that we abandon these pessimistic views because I don't think whatever your view of the end times events or whatever, mm. I don't think any of them require that kind of pessimism mm. uh, because Jesus is at work in the world. His kingdom this is the age of the kingdom now. Yeah. Jesus came the first time to usher in the age of the kingdom. Mm. And he says here, and this is my point, that at the end of the age, they will weed out of his kingdom everything that does evil. And he's talking mm. about the world. They yeah. will weed out of this world because by then the wheat will have come to full fruition. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and then, and this is a good segue to the next uh, parable that um, the couple of parables is the, the mustard seed and the, and the yeast. Yes. So the kingdom of God will be like a little seed that that will be planted in the ground. And so Jesus is saying we're going to have small beginnings. Yes. We're not going to go for the big popular no. revolution, let's gather the crowds. No, yeah. just a faithful few will be fine. In fact, good. it's the smallest of seeds. That's right. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the smallest of seeds. And, yeah. and, and certainly the Christian movement began with a very small seed, a yeah. bunch of fishermen and whatever, you yeah. know. And but he's saying it's going to grow into an enormous tree, tree, and the birds of the air are going to come and nest in its branches. Now that connects with all of these old um, Old Testament uh, prophecies about pe- the, the nations coming to Jerusalem to find uh, yes. to find solace, shelter, light, wisdom, yep. everything. So um, he's saying that that's what it's going to be like. And then the yeast, it's not going to be this I- imposing. Um, sudden revolution, it's going to spread. It's like this grass roots underneath everything. It's going to spread like yeast mm. through the dough. So he's correcting their conceptions of the kingdom. It's not going to be a sudden thing. It's going to come gradually and it's going to be like yeast through the dough. Uh, but it is going to come. So notice the the optimism here. Yes. I mean, what an incredible... So the dough is the world. Mm. So mm. it's going to spread throughout the dough. Mm. And... As we s- sit today, that's actually what is happening and what has happened. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite a remarkable promise. This uh, and then the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. 
I think is meant to indicate the fact that it's like you don't need to impose this on people because when when people with willing hearts discover the kingdom of God, they will give everything for it. You know what I mean? Mm, it's mm. like you don't need to push it on them. Yeah. Just uh, facilitate their discovery of it and they will give everything for yeah. it. Yeah, let them discover. Yeah. Yeah, when 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 yeah, exactly. Well, not it's not the the pearl merchant didn't have it shoved in his face. He was looking for it. Yeah, yeah. And when he discovered it, he was like this is it. Yeah. This that's is right. it. I will sell everything for the, for what I've been looking yeah, for. Yeah. I th- these these I think are really important. Again, important to read these as the way that it's going to work. This is how it's going to work because we're so impatient. Mm. And we just want things to happen suddenly and overtly. And, and, but Jesus is saying here, well, no, it's going to be like a seed growing into a tree. I mean, that's by very small increments, but every increment is important. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, it's like you focus on growing and y- you focus on growing and, and becoming that tree. Yeah. And God's saying, and I'll bring the nations to you. Exactly. So it's really profound bit of teaching. We got we've got the fishing net as the last one in this chapter, yeah. and uh, you know it. It's uh, you know it's a fairly you know um, again it's a it's an interesting parable. But the 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 little tale at the end of that mm. parable where he says he, he Jesus adds, adds this line, and this is something I've been meditating on, and I'd love your comment on it. Mm. Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his story new gems of truth as well as old. Yeah. That is that is some deep stuff right there. Yeah, it's um I was reflecting on this too actually and trying to think um what he's talking about here and I think it has something to do with the fact that um he is connecting the new with the old yeah. throughout this he that's what he's doing. It's yeah. it is he is all of his teaching here is based in the old covenant in the old testament but he's bringing something new and and, and I, I i was sort of a little bit shocked in in like trying to hear it from the you know in the ears of those especially those who were teachers of religious law back then mm. he's basically saying i'm on par with the truths and the gems that you hold, yeah, you know what I'm teaching you here. These new truths that I'm giving you yeah. is 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 on a par with it. And it's like, whoa, that's a hefty yeah. claim. Yeah, that's right. The other interesting implication of the parable of the yeast, and this is an interesting one, is how we look at church history because um, habitually there's a lot of criticism about church history. Ah, yes. oh, church history, it's all just power struggles and battles and. Yeah, but that's all that the hist- this is the problem. What counts as Christian history? Yeah. On the basis of this, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven will be like yeast through the dough, which means that it isn't primarily going to exist at the level, at the highest level of society and power struggles and battles. And but w- what this is saying, therefore, is that the the king the history of the kingdom is going to be largely out of sight. Mm. It's going to be largely. Um, Invisible to the historian's eye, because what do when when we historians do history, they can only work with what's recorded, and the only stuff that's recorded really is all of the power struggles yeah. and the battles and politics. That. And so, it we we get this idea that history is all about learning about that, 
And we learn this one, it's like this upper crust when the 90% of what actually happened in the world mm. isn't what kings and queens and popes did. Yeah. So it's really problematic, this idea of Christian history and the way that Christian history is conveyed. Oh, this pope came and then that pope came and then this king did this and that king. I mean, mm. it's so, it's actually deceptive, I think, because underneath all of that, the yeast, the yeast was spreading through the dough, yeah. often despite that. Yes. Often despite that. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. and because it's not gonna be a matter of power struggles and battles and that's not mm. um I mean we see the it through history we can see the results of that. Mm. Um and the fact that, you know, that Constantine becomes professes to be a Christian in around sort of three twelve uh, AD indicates the level of influence and permeation yeah. that the Christian message had achieved through Roman mm. society. But the actual history of how that happened, it's ordinary people in ordinary situations yeah. um, being an extraordinary witness, you know. Mm. And so this is outside of the eye of history. So I, I, I really have an issue with the way that church history is done. That's just my little yeah. little gripe there. And and it's, it is based on this. Jesus actually says how it's going to work. He says, if you want to see the kingdom, look you know, search for that seed that's planted under the mm. soil there. Mm. Uh, search for the yeast spreading through the dough, grassroots. Mm. It's not going to be in the military and military struggles yes. and the, the revolutions and the, you know, the power struggles of kings and queens. It's not that God isn't operating. You know, God is sovereign and he, he works through that. And remarkably, through history, he has that, worked he has, through yeah. that and facilitated the growth of his kingdom through that. Um, but... I think we need to be wise to what it looks like for the kingdom to come. And the problem with that is that we can then look at our own time and think, well, if what does it look like for the kingdom to come in our country? Well, it looks like having a Christian prime minister or, or a or a um, you know Christian laws or yeah. po these policies or this. Hmm. Well, for a lot of places uh, through history where the Christian message has um, permeated with greater force. Mm. Uh, has been in times of persecution when yeah. policy wasn't on their side. Exactly. So, so look, um, and we shouldn't wish for anti-Christian policies. We certainly sh shouldn't. We should exercise a democratic right yeah. to um, uh, to make our, our our voice heard. But um, we should also not think that the be all and end all is that we need to make this into a Christian nation because yeah. I think that's deeply problematic. It, it's great. It, it shows us, you know, basically the correct way, the correct way to view history yeah. and our time right yeah. now is is through this. Mm. Well, let's wrap up this episode with the last little account that we get in in, in Chapter 13, and I think it's a fitting way to end this um, new era of Jesus' mm. style of teaching. You know, like he says right at the beginning, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to only want those to hear who, who want to hear. I'm going to teach in a different way. The disciples are baffled, but he's... He's he's showing he's telling them that this is you know fulfillment of prophecy the way that he's doing it and all this different yeah. stuff. Then he goes home. He goes home. You know yeah. where his family is. He goes mm. home to his families and he starts teaching in the in the synagogues there. And um, everyone is amazed at what he's doing. And he's obviously also, besides the teaching, he's also still doing miracles in his hometown. Mm. Probably miracles in his family and stuff like that. And to illustrate everything that we've been talking about yeah. is this final, final blow for him where yeah. the, where everybody just rejects him. 
Yeah, because in his hometown, this is just this is just Jesus, the carpenter's son. Yeah. How could this is not what it looks like? Yeah. It's uh, so again, it's this it's this expectation that it can't just be someone humble. Yeah. It has to be you know, it has to be the 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 glorious king in in sort of uh arrayed in whatever. I yeah. mean, it's so they've just got this um, this obstacle again, and and it's it's like this final because we've been talking about how he's encountered all of these obstacles, yeah. you know, when he goes home, and there it is, even at home, yeah, it's a final and battle, even in, and especially at home, yeah. And it's I love the fact that they name his four brothers. They're like, look, this is we've, we know his four brothers. Yeah. They're right here amongst us. He's got sisters everywhere yeah. in town. We know what they're like, yeah. and they they are not only are they uh, you know saying how did this guy know. You know, this is a humble town. This is not nothing yeah. special. This guy is teaching on another level that is blowing his way. He's doing miracles. And, you know, in verse 57, it says, and they were deeply offended yeah. by it yeah. and refused yeah. to believe him. And, 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 it's, and it's because they, they, they weren't okay with the humble leader thing. Now, this is important to point out, and I know we, we need to close up here, because this has been used by Christian leaders to say, you need to honour me because if you don't honour me, God can't bless me through you. Whoa. I don't know if you've, if, yeah, if yeah, you've come no, across yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing. Now, look, you know, I think, I think the whole you know, honouring um, honoring our leaders is very important and I think particularly in an Australian context, we're not very good at that. Yeah, but, the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, tall poppy syndrome. But I think that has also been misused in, in the sense that it causes almost leaders to be treated as – you know, with such a esteem that verges on uh, on them being these, um, uh, I don't know, almost guru-like figures yeah. uh, that that stand between us and God, and and I th- I think it can become problematic. But in the context, what they're struggling with is the humility of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and and to follow the thread yeah. that we've both been looking at when it comes to faith, belief. And Jesus' work in the Gospels, the last sentence we get in chapter 13 is that Jesus Jesus saying, you know, I'm only doing a few miracles here because of your unbelief. Yeah. And I've heard that. Now, this is where the, the, the yeah. uh, you know, um, looking at what that actually means, was he limited? I've heard it preached that he couldn't do miracles because of their unbelief. Like somehow Jesus' power was short-circuiting because there wasn't enough belief in the air. Mm. Or did he choose not to do miracles because it was going to be useless because they were unbelieving? Why do the miracles yeah. in front of them? Well, it just says he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I yeah. mean, so he 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 chose not to. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. that as well. Yeah. I believe that as well. I, I, I have I a, certainly would not say that he could not. Yeah, that yeah. that I, I just as a blanket <laughs> rule would. Yeah, I like I, I just saying that he cannot do something is. Yeah. Is not part of being, being yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we wrap, we've wrapped up Chapter 13 here for uh, this episode, Episode 54. Matt, what, what, do, you, what do you want us to uh, take away from this, uh, you know, this week, as, especially as we head into the next you know, few chapters next week? I'd like us to take away this sense of optimism about you know, a couple of key things here. First of all, the power of the seed. Mm. Like not everyone's going to get it, but don't be discouraged because... The seed, it only needs to land on a few willing hearts and the harvest will be hundredfold. Mm-hmm. And when that seed is planted, it will grow up into that tree and nothing will be able to stop it. So mm-hmm. it's like 
I think we need to have a, a sense of purpose, a sense that we are part of something amazing, uh, something that is spreading throughout the world. And uh, we need to get with the plan. And the plan is let's be faithful sowers of this seed. Let's step up into God's purpose because nothing is going to stand in the way of that. That optimism to take away, that that new sense of outlook that we have from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, that God is at work. Through these parables, we see that time and time again, the focus that we should have is that God is at work, even on our darkest days. And you might be listening to this today and be going through something in your life, something personal that you're going through, a battle that you're going through will look up, see that God is at work in the bigger picture. That's our encouragement today. Hopefully you were encouraged as much as I was having the conversation with Matt and getting it ready for you today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I want to encourage you to do something for us really practical, really simple. You can stop what you're doing right now and just give us two minutes of your time and a way that will help this podcast grow. Head over to the Apple iTunes store. And uh, head over to where you find your podcasts on Apple, in your Apple Podcasts, and rate our show five stars and write something for us. Rate it five stars and write a nice review. That literally will help us in being discovered through the Apple Podcasts there. So something I want to encourage you to do, something practical that you can do that doesn't cost you anything other than a few words and a couple of minutes of your time. Well, until next week, we'll be back with Gospel of Matthew chapters 14 and 15. Can't wait to get into that next week with you. This has been DJ and behalf of everybody here. Thank you so much. Make sure you head over to the website at thrivetoday.net.au and we'll see you there. Bye. listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us, the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.